Hello, folks, and welcome to the show today. You're listening to Convergence, a podcast brought to you by the Glasgow Daily Times and WCLU Radio. Uh, once again, Daniel Suddeth, editor of the Glasgow Daily Times, joined by my co-host, Mr. Brennan Crane. Brennan, how are you doing this fine afternoon? I'm good, Daniel. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. Every day's a holiday, as they say. Uh, just to rehash quickly, this is a joint podcast we're doing together, trying to touch on some issues of the community that we always don't get the chance to do a little bit more of a deep dive on, some issues that are important. Last week we talked about election results, covered electric plant board, had a lot of feedback from that. I know both both our stations, station and newspaper received some feedback on that, so we appreciate everybody listening. This week, Brennan, I know we've discussed an, another big issue we'd like to kind of discuss a little bit, being crime, crime element of Barron County. Are we a safe community? What are the numbers saying? What can be done about it? If anything can be done about it. Just to kick things off, Brennan, I know we always talk about crime. It's a news issue. It some, sometimes becomes white noise to the community because you hear so much about it. When you think about uh, approaching crime coverage here at WCOU, what are some of the kind of standards you go by? And just talk a little bit about how you approach that beat. Sure. So, of course, uh, you know, a lot of the time I always tell people if, you know, they have questions that um, I only report what I'm given, especially. So, um not to say that I don't look for more information sometimes, but that's probably one of the biggest standards is that I'm not making anything up, and I don't think you are either. Uh, so yes, that's one standard. But of course, you know we we you know get these sort of releases a lot that sort of just describe maybe so and so you know um, was pulled over and had some drugs. Okay, well, why are we reporting on this? Well, it's not to embarrass anyone, but I think it's just a a good way to uh, certainly maybe bring it, you know, light to a, maybe a problem that we have in the community. And I know, of course, you've touched on some things in some past articles with, you know, looking into this sort of thing. Um, and then, of course, like you said, I know we're, we're talking about standards here, just some other things that, of course, we look at. Um, just, you know, is this uh, how relevant is it? You know, when we're looking at the news judgment here, how proximal is it? Well, obviously, it's very proximal um, if, you know, Glasgow Police Department or the Barron County Sheriff's Office sending this in. So, yeah, I think that's sort of how I evaluate um, what I'm reporting on. But um, there's other crime that exists, too. It's not just drugs. And if it's something very serious, whether that's, you know, um, you know, a murder or something, of course, um, you know, that's where I think I start digging a lot more. Absolutely. And there's issues, as you allude to, the murder, the sexual abuse of a minor, these really, you know, heinous crime acts that people are accused of and arrested for that as a news outlet, you know, you, you have to cover these things. If not, you're going to lose your credibility. Generally for us, you know, we do a two kind of two way approach. We don't do a whole article on somebody who's pulled over with a joint or somebody got a, a DUI arrest, a misdemeanor charge, unless it's, you know, elected official, somebody really prominent, obviously that's, that's makes it newsworthy. So we will do like a running list of you know, from time to time, this is all the police arrests that we were given, as you said, that that, that were reported. And we've run into cases, uh, at, whether by accident or, in, or on purpose, right, that a couple names were left out. We had to check on, get those recorded and reported uh, with the number of staff kind of being reduced over the years at all these newspapers. It's kind of harder to get to all that as, as we once did, but that's one way of approaching it. And as you alluded to, the news releases, the, the reports that come out when people are arrested for drug possession, those things. No reporter that I've ever worked with 
we talk about this, Brennan, you know, before we came on and at various times takes joy in this person just got arrested for methamphetamine. You know, I can't wait to put their mugshot online and just embarrass them and their family and everything else. But if you, if you don't, if you're not consistent with these things, it looks like you're picking and choosing who you choose to do the stories on. And let's face it, Glasgow is not New York city. Elements like this in crime do affect, you know, our, our neighborhoods, our uh, way of life in a smaller community. And I think it's more important for us to be consistent, report those things as they come. It's not really up to us ultimately to decide whether this person is a career criminal. They just made a mistake. You, you know, usually when you're talking about meth and heroin and cocaine, these harder drugs that are so prevalent, we'll get to some of these numbers later. You're talking about people who have addiction issues. And as you just said, I think it's important to shed light on that problem and what, what ways we can fix it as a community. Absolutely. And also, um, like you said, with consistency, too, uh, you know, this is just a huge thing. I, I think a lot of the time, you know, on this end, um, you know, what I'm not directly or you're not directly telling others is that, of course, you know, if I get a phone call and it's like, hey, um, why why did you report on this or why did you post that? Well, like we just said, to be consistent and especially if it's, you know, someone that's holding an elected office or something, it's not to it's not a, a gotcha situation. It's just a, you know, especially a people of that nature, you know, are held to higher standards, especially. But but even when we're looking at it, we're still, you know, treating them the same way we're treating, you know, the the other people that have been accused of these crimes. Absolutely. So. And it's Glasgow is no different than Every city across the country, there are drug problems in our country. Kentucky specifically has a drug epidemic when it comes to methamphetamine, prescription pills. It started off more in Louisville with the heroin issues, but we're seeing that spill into the Bowling Green area. We're seeing arrests for that now here in Glasgow. Last year, we, we kind of looked at some numbers for indictments. Obviously, an indictment has to do with a felony charge. Most drug possession charges related to methamphetamine and whatnot are indictments. Just to throw some numbers out. 2018 was a record number of indictments for Barron County. We had 694 indictments last year in Barron County uh, as, as indicted by a Barron County grand jury. Just for some comparison, in 2017, we had 469. And in 2016, we had 446. So you're talking about a jump of over 200 indictments from 2016 to 2018. Talking to law enforcement, some will say that's better policing, better reporting. That's one angle of it. But overwhelmingly, most officials will tell you it's drug related. You're seeing methamphetamine prevalent. You're seeing these prescription pills issues, not just the possession, but how it spills into property crimes and other issues that, you know, come along with, with drug use and abuse. So I know sometimes in the news we get blamed. Well, you're constantly putting this in our face. You're constantly putting this in our face. These drug issues affect all of us. They affect our our property crimes. They affect our way of life, our our public safety. And if we don't let you all know these people are, you know, these crimes are happening, this is being alleged, this has happened, we're kind of not really doing our job to paint a full picture of what our community is and furthermore how we can address it and how important it is to address it. Sure. And, you know, with the, the spike there, like you said, you know, you could look at it from a couple different angles. Um, but it, it's kind of shocking because I think a lot of the time, especially in, and this is all rural communities or even smaller communities like Glasgow that are sort of in this bubble still that, you know, we're untouchable per se. You know, we're not going to be invaded by a particular drug or a particular problem, but that's just not the case. And like you said, you know, something even as close as Louisville, uh, radiating to here, uh, we're seeing that, you know, uh, and seeing that 
kind of here and there, actually, especially with heroin, which is kind of shocking to people because, mm. you know, it's it's commonplace to hear about, uh, like you said, methamphetamine or even marijuana. But but when we're throwing in heroin, that's where people sort of start to see that maybe this is an issue. But realistically, those other drugs are just as big an issue. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just a, a good a good way to look at it, you know, because that that's a direct correlation. Those numbers are a direct correlation and maybe why we should look into this. And when we say it affects you, John Doe, Jane Doe citizen, even if you've never had someone arrested in your family for drug use, and hopefully you haven't, even if you don't know anybody who has, hopefully you've never had someone break in your house to steal something to go pawn to buy drugs with. There's a strain on the system that is created when you have this many indictments uh, obviously it begins on the front line. Dispatch is getting more calls. You're getting more calls for service for your sheriff's department, your police department, your officers on the front line are having to make more calls to go out and do more arrests, do more investigations. Our drug task force here is constantly on the street, you know, looking into these drug dealers. They're going after the head of the snake, you know, to, per se. And then it filters down into other levels, probation, parole, very strange. They're not getting new positions, but they're having to deal with more parole cases, more probation cases as more people get arrested. Your jails have to deal with more, obviously more people in jail. That creates a strain on them as well. You also talk about uh, issues with more people in drug court. So you have to obviously have to have more staff with that. These are taxpayer funded entities that are being affected greatly by this strain of, of crime. And most of the crime we're seeing here in Barron County is, is drug related on a happier note though. I'll just ask you, do you feel like Barron County is a pretty safe community relatively speaking? Well, according, you know, to my personal experience for the most part, yes. Um, but again, you know, you could have two different views of the world. If you're only looking at, um, maybe the, the crime section of the newspaper, for right. instance, uh, you know, whichever, you know, you might have a negative view on that. But for my personal experience, I, I feel like Glasgow has been pretty safe for the duration of my time here. I'd 100% agree with that. You know, I've lived in bigger cities. I'm from Hopkinsville. I've lived in the Louisville area. Areas where the crime is high, you know, you see a lot more violent crime. I think luckily we're in a situation where our violent crime is not really rising. It's, you know, we're seeing these indictments coming mainly through drug-related crimes and that sort of thing. I still feel Barron County, Glasgow as a whole, is a, is a good place to raise a family. It's a pretty safe community. You're always going to have crime issues anywhere you live. But I don't think it's to the point of, you know, a mass panic where, you know, we should leave leave an exodus. But it's important for us to be aware of where we're at and be able to address these things, which, you know, I think we should spend some time looking at what is being done to address that. I know you've uh, done stories and talked to people at the jail about some programs that they're doing and, and drug courts. Yeah. Our, our Barron County drug court has been recognized by the state as one of the best drug courts in the state. And I think that's a good angle to realize that people are trying to do things to help people because after you get arrested once for this, that sticks on your record and you have to have a way to get back active in the community. You're going to fall back into those same issues. And I think that's such a huge part of this discussion. And, you know, you're exactly right with, um, you know, of course, some things that I've looked at. Um, I like to do some positive news, you know, here and there to show that they're, you know, not everything is negative. Um, and specifically going on here locally, especially with the jail, you know, I've witnessed some programs that kind of seem pretty good, you know, with even simple, you know, inmates getting IDs or even um, programs going on that are 
comforting, you know, children or families coming in to see their loved one. And the biggest thing to me that I see is that it's, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't realize that you were doing something bad or had a problem until the end. And sometimes that's, you know, the case. But I, you know, something that what I see out of that is what can we do to show people that, you know, don't get involved with that. That's a problem. Uh, I don't know the the solution to that. And I don't know how active we are in trying to make that, a, you know, a task. How are we trying to show people that drugs are bad or drugs can be bad, but it's not that vague either. So I think 100% correct. And I also think stigma we, there. We have this stigma still in our society. And we sh- I mean, we shouldn't just say, hey. Kids, it's all right if you go do meth or heroin. I, I put marijuana in a separate category because study after study has shown that's not really the same level. And I think that's sure. part of the problem. We, we kind of lump that in with some of these harder narcotics. But there's a stigma, I think, when people get arrested for this, and we almost kind of write them off. So if you're, you've are you been arrested for methamphetamine possession, whatever you started doing, that that's your business. You, you're obviously going to have criminal issues you have to deal with, court issues. And if you don't serve jail time, that's going to remain your record. Employers are going to look at you and say, do I, and naturally, I mean, you can't blame someone if someone's been arrested for that to look at their, you know, record and say, is this someone I want representing my business? That leads to a cycle where a person can't find, you know, gainful employment. They can't get, you know, back on the street and and live the life that they need to live for this mistake that was made. Therefore, guess what? They're going back to drug use. They're, or they're going to break in a home to, to find you know a way to support themselves because they can't get a job, which leads to a whole host of other issues. So to me, I think that stigma is something we as a community and as a country can do more to address to, to say, hey, you made a mistake, but we're, we're here to help you out. Sure. And, you know, this is there's a host of volunteers in the community that um, actually work toward, you know, trying to maybe look into these issues. And that was a good point, I think, about, you know, when we're we're trying to have this whole stigma of, you know, this is bad and you're never going to be a good person again. Well, that's not the case because we're clearly seeing now that um, when given the chance to maybe um, sort of have some supervised version of a bettering process, if you will, um, it's showing good things. I mean, we're, we're seeing even programs where inmates can work while they're incarcerated, but all of that money is being stored in a bank account for when they're released they have that money. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to be able to possibly maybe um, get a home or they're going to be able to, you know, have somewhat of a life upon getting out of jail versus just, hey, you're up and, you know, you get to come out and uh, there's nothing there for you. Uh, because like you said, there's a blue million probably things we could go off on here. Like, you know, you get on drugs, well, your family's going to abandon you. No, but you're also going to have this you know, stigma about you, but that's, I think that's the solution, you know, maybe looking into how can we rid this stigma, Mm -hmm. certainly, and how can we, I guess, get things better uh, upon, especially getting out of jail for these sort of offenses. And I think this is an issue, especially we won't have the benefit of that 100 years from now when people will look back and say, where did a lot of this spawn from? And where did this, you know, issue, especially with the prescription drugs start from, you know, 20 years ago, you know, I remember I, I fractured my hand one time and a little sports injury. It wasn't nothing much. And I went to the doctor and they were ready to give me, I think, a prescription for like 60 pain pills that day. And I, I didn't, I, those things make my stomach hurt. So I didn't take any. I took some Advil, was fine, never had an issue with it. 
now you have to go to the doctor and show some extreme, you know, yeah. versions of pain before they're going to write you such a large prescription for things. So I think not knowing and I think a lot of that was innocent. I think people at the time didn't realize kind of how the addiction level that that can lead to. Um, cause I think of on a personal, one of my best friends from, from back home, was injured a work-related injury and he ended up getting addicted to prescription pills and it led to some criminal issues for him and it, this kind of relates back to what we're talking about here in Barron County you know he was arrested had a felony charge over him uh, lots of issues going on he did the hard time he went to drug court drug court is not easy I think people hear that and they think oh you can just go here and they'll you know lighten your charges no drug court you know they're constantly drug testing you you have to meet certain goals and benchmarks or they'll right. kick you out of the program and then you're really looking at jail time so he, he went about that. He, he, you know, he dealt with his problems. He got clean. He's a very productive member of society now, works hard, has a good job, you know, does everything that, you know, we would expect someone to do as a productive member of community. So I think when we write people off and we don't realize kind of where some of these issues start at, we kind of lead to that, that cycle where things just continue to happen. And also it's expensive for all of us. The more people have to go to jail, the more people are relying on government subsidies because they can't find a job, the more strain we have on our parole and our probation and our uh, court system and our, our police that cost us all more tax money. I mean, these things are taxpayer funded services. So it behooves all of us to want to see these people get clean, to lead productive lives to, you know, to be able to turn that corner. And, and our, our drug court here does a phenomenal job. And there's so many success stories that have come out of that. So I think, you know, yes. Do we have a drug problem? Yes. There's drugs out there. Um, is it the end of the world if somebody gets arrested for that? No. And I think obviously it has to start with them. Personal choice. You got to make a choice to, to live a better life. And when you're addicted to something, that's very hard to do. But I think as a society, it's kind of on us too to make sure that we're funding resources to not just arrest people and throw them in jail, but to get them back to being productive members of society for all of us. Because I think these, these issues touch everybody, no matter you know, income level, where you live, anything. This is this is society. This is an issue that affects every level of society. Sure. And, you know, going back to standards and policy that um, maybe a, a news media or entity has, um, I see a lot of the time, you know, some people, for instance, like your friend, um, you know, maybe months, years, however long it takes that particular person to get clean. Well, you know, now in the age of online media, we have this thing, you know, where you can search a person's name and, hey, that article might mm -hmm. pop up that involved their, you know, arrest. Um, so I, I just uh, always like to say that, you know, usually um, as far as removing something, um, that kind of gets into, well, it was history. You know, do we do we take that down? What do we do with that? Um, but I think, you know, Something that I always make a call on, for instance, if, uh, for instance, I've had attorneys reach out to me um, and I've removed content from their client if they've been expunged of a certain charge. So, mm -hmm. you know, going with that. But yes, so getting clean uh, and, and fighting addiction is totally a hard thing. But I think that kind of brings up, a, a, you know, the next greatest thing is what are we actively doing in our communities to maybe give people access to rehabilitation services or, you know, again, saying, hey, I can help you. Um, just, just let me help you. And I'll, I'll take you a step farther than that. What are we doing to stop it to begin with? You know, if you were, I remember when um, Barron County was considering the wet dry vote, when we we're considering making right. alcohol legal, um, there was a story that had been published. I want to say it was by the Lexington Herald leader. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but it, it detailed how 
the communities in Kentucky, the counties in Kentucky that had the largest uh, issues with methamphetamines, I believe it was specifically where the, the counties were – alcohol was not even allowed, you know, the smaller rural areas, um, not a lot to do. And I'm not saying give everybody alcohol and nobody <laughs> does, you know, drugs. I'm not saying that at all, but the kind of the point of the article was you have these communities where there's not really much option for, you know, adults as far as, you know, what they can do quality of life wise. And I think that starts with our kids. Um, I wrote a column supporting the idea to, to improve our park system and specifically to look at bringing a park downtown. I know there's some issues with that. I know some people have made some, you know, good cases as to why maybe the money would be better spent elsewhere. But I think projects like that, while they don't solve everything, they give a kid in a small town something to do on Friday night. Maybe there's a band coming down to the amphitheater they can go check out. Maybe they can just go out to the park and play some basketball with their friends. You know, anything you can do to give kids something to do, it starts at a younger age it moves on from there, even in adults. What what do we have here for adults to do so they're not, you know, turning to, to drugs and other vices? Because we're humans. We're not just going to sit at home and, you know, wait for church on Sunday. I would love to say that that's how reality is, but it's not. We, we want to be entertained. We want to find something to do. Sometimes we want to escape from reality. So what are we, what options are we providing people? What What quality of life options are we giving people? And I also think it's an economic issue. A lot of times people turn to drugs when they're struggling with their finances or other things because, as I said, you know, they want an escape. What are we doing to secure our future for economic development? Make sure people have good jobs. They're not stifled by unemployment or lower wages. And I think we have to look at a huge, you know, the overall equals eye view of things and not just focus specifically on one thing because you're not going to police this issue away. Police will tell you that. You're not just going to arrest every drug dealer. You're not going to arrest everybody that does meth, throw them away, lock up the key, it, you know throw away the key, lock them up forever. It's just not reality. So you have to have other approaches. The police approach is a, a part of it. You have to have public safety, but you also have to have plans to make sure this isn't something that's just a, a never ending cycle. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up uh, economic development in that too, because um, as a reporter, I think a lot of the time, you know, even as simple as, okay, I'm going to, you know, put something up about this particular person being arrested for a drug um, you know, issue or possession of drugs or something along those lines. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, why are, why were they, you know, subjected to this? And that's sort of the challenging part, I think, is you, you sort of get overwhelmed thinking, okay, well, maybe this is a, like you said, an economic issue. So, um, you know, we start looking at maybe where that person um, lives in the town, for instance, or where that person, you know, may have been using those drugs in the town, and why are those areas subjected to this sort of thing? So, and it's no, it's no secret. I mean, of course, we're, we're not labeling per se, but, you know, there are portions of Glasgow where we're seeing higher drug arrest, higher um, policing, things like that. And it's typically those portions of the city that are, you know, eco economically disadvantaged. And that, is, that clearly is screaming, hey, this is a direct thing that we maybe need to look into. Um, and I'm not saying that our leaders necessarily don't look into that, but it's always from a very superficial look, in my opinion. It's, you know, the guys in the suits and, you know, they're the ones trying to relate to people who maybe have drug problems or something, but that's just not, that's just not how it needs to happen. I mean, we have too many instances of that happening and I just think that's an issue. Absolutely. I, you know, you have to give people, you know, a future, something they can depend on. So they're not, there's always going to be people who struggle. There'll always be people that break the law and do things, but the more you can give people opportunities and chances, I think you're going to see less of that crime happening.
Well, Brendan, I, I think our bosses are probably going to throw us in jail if we don't get back to work. <laughs> but I know um, we always want to hear back from the community. So won't you tell them how to, how to get a hold of us? Because I know we both got, got some feedback from last week. Exactly. So, of course, like I said last week, you can reach me at my email. That's Bren, B-R-E-N-N dot crane at gmail.com or the station phone 270-651-9149. And you can reach me at D-S-U-D-D-E-A-T-H at GlasgowDailyTimes.com. I think I probably have the longest email address in America because of my last name. Or give us a call at the Daily Times, uh, 270-678-5171. And, you know, I, I really appreciate this episode, Brittany. Yes, this this episode I think was very, very important. And, uh, you know, we, we only probably scraped the surface of it, to be honest. But, again, like we just said, you know, there are, there's probably a blue million people. I know for a fact because I see a lot of interaction on a lot of posts about drug arrests and things. It's an issue and everyone's affected by it. So that's exactly a reason to let us know uh, maybe about if, if there's something out there that, that we need to look into. So. Absolutely. Brandon, I really enjoyed it this week. and We appreciate everybody listening to another episode of Convergence. And I hope you'll tune in next time.